Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Today's an easy day for me because I don't have to pick my sermon topic, right? But at the same time, I have to take something that is earth-shattering, eternity-altering, life-changing, that you already know what happened, and I've got to take it and put it in a way that helps you see the magnitude of what Jesus accomplished. So I, I need help. And you need help because you need help to hear. Because you already know the end of the story. So i got to tell you about a daggone movie that you already know the ending to. He came out of the tomb, right? So, so like, I need help, you need help. Let's ask for God's help, can we? Father God, we need you today. Help us to see every person here, the power of your resurrection. Give us grace, give us strength. I pray for each person here. God, there's probably a billion things going on in their brain, and probably right now they're even fighting to pay attention. I pray you'd calm it. Calm their fears, calm their worries. Let them focus today and receive what you have for them on this Easter Sunday. And Father God, please help the Jacksonville Jaguars make a good pick with the seventh pick in the upcoming draft. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and amen, amen. I figured I'd throw a little prayer in there for the Jaguars because we need all we can get, you know, you know what I mean? So, look, the resurrection of Jesus is so central that Paul said this about the resurrection. Paul said this, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So Paul's like, if this Jesus dude that was dead if he didn't rise from the dead, it's useless. Like, what, we're, what I'm doing right now is useless. But it really doesn't matter. Paul also said this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. And in other words, the gospel isn't even true. If this Jesus did not rise from death, Paul also said this, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Paul's like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's YOLO, y'all. Yo, low, eat, drink, and be merry. Essentially, live it up, because ultimately, whenever you die, that's it. So this event in history is so central to our faith that if it did not happen, church is stupid, you didn't have your sins forgiven, and let's just go out of here, go get drunk, sleep with people we don't know, and live it up. Welcome to Lifehouse. Hope, hope you're encouraged, right? No, but, uh, <laughs> but also, too, this, this is so central to our faith, but it also speaks to the longing of your human heart. Because I don't know about you, we have a people that are consumed with trying to live longer. They want to live longer. Like, we are buying $14 carrots from Whole Foods, like $12 heads of lettuce, <laughs> stuffing our mouths with blueberries. Like we are doing whatever we can to delay death for any amount of time. And do you know who's gotten in on this game? Google. 
Now, you know when Google comes in, okay, they, they bring in the wrecking ball. They actually started a project back in 2013. You can actually see it here. It's called Project Calico, where they have started a project to solve death. Hey, if you're going to have big dreams, go for the big ones. <laughs> Dream big. And that's what Google's doing. They're trying to solve death. So not only is this day central to the faith, but this day is central to the human desire and human urge to live forever. Scripture says this, that God has set eternity in our hearts. Do you know why you want to live forever? Because you were designed that way. Your body, even your physical body, fights to survive. You cut the arm off, guess what the body does? Crap, this, this, area is in, this area isn't good. So all the other body parts work together to flow and give that area life. Your body, the desire of your heart. And just think, y'all, we are trying to live longer. So this day is central because it's the center of our faith, but it's also the center of your core human need and the core of your desire. But now, we, we, we've got to look into this thing. It's like, why, why did we need the rest? Like, why did Jesus have to do what he did and then get to the point where he had to rise from death? Like, what is so central about what Jesus did to us? And so I'm going to go a little churchy gospel here. So here's the thing. Stick with me. If you're not a church person, hopefully this will somewhat make sense to you. But check it out. The whole story of, of this book here is that we are all sinners, Welcome to Livehouse. We love you, right? But like scripture says it, says it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Essentially meaning all of us have a proclivity and, and really a, guess you call it, nature inside of us to do the exact opposite of what God wants. And the result of that is that it brings separation between us and God and us and people. Have you ever been sinned against? And how that Sin, unless it's dealt with, brings separation in, in your life. So honestly, sin brings death, but then, that, it, but then it goes towards a spiritual death to where, to where you and God are separated, but it also brings a physical death, meaning that you are going to now eventually die separated from God because you want to do your own thing. So this is where Jesus came in. This is where the whole, whole Jesus stuff comes in here, where it's like Jesus came and lived a perfect sinless life that was even attested to and written down by his brothers and sisters. If anyone knows you, it's your brothers and sisters. If anyone knows the good you and the bad you, it's your brothers and sisters. But even his brothers and sisters attested to the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus went and died on the cross. He was betrayed by his closest friends. Pontius Pilate sentenced him to, to death on the cross. And Jesus went and died as a sinless man with the weight of sin on his shoulders. He died in your place and for your sin. Now, sin leads to death, but the thing about Jesus is Jesus never sinned. So, because Jesus never sinned, although his physical body was killed, his spirit wasn't contaminated, and his spirit had life, and that's whenever Jesus rose from, from death, what Jesus did is he conquered death itself because his spirit was, was clean, and his spirit overtook his physical body, and he was, over to, and he was able to overcome, and overcome death, hell, and the grave 
and resurrect to new life. But Jesus just didn't do that. Now, I'm going to have to turn one of these lights here so y'all can get this because I was trying to get a door made, but it just didn't happen. So, so I'm going to take this little light here and do it over here. Think about it this way, right? You got, hope, hopefully the mic will work. I'm not sure if, if it will. We'll see. All right, look. Think about it, though. Jesus came to the door of death, all right? That all of us are going there, right? Not only do we crave life, but we're all heading towards death, right? Death and taxes, right? It's what's guaranteed. Hopefully you did, you did your taxes. It's April 21st. If you didn't, you're six days late. They're coming after you, okay? But Jesus came to the door of death and went in just like everyone else. The problem is he never sinned. So he couldn't stay there. So Jesus said, look, I'm gonna kick this door to death open. I need a door holder. Yo, yo, Thomas, man, come over here. Hold this door open. Hold this, this door open. We need someone to hold open the door of death for us. Because not, not only did Jesus defeat death for himself, he also said, I ain't going by myself. You're going to go into death, but then you're going to come out. And you're going to follow Jesus. Because what Jesus did, he kicked the door of death down, but then said, I'm going to live the life you couldn't live, die the death you should have died, and then purchase for you an eternal resurrected life that although you die, you will live. He actually said this in John 11:25. He said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So the promise of God, of Jesus, is death isn't it. And it gives and fulfills the longing you have to live forever. But I know what some of you are thinking, and I've thought this, so I'm with you in this. Because we're people, and we're here now, and we're 2,000 years after this whole thing happened. Some of us can easily say, well, how does what happened 2,000 years ago affect my life right now? That's a great question. How does an event that happened 2,000 years ago affect my life when I am right now dealing with depression? How does what happened 2,000 years ago affect me as I'm battling with a crazy marriage? As I'm battling financial issues, I'm battling addiction, I'm, you are right now taking care of, of family members and you just feel overwhelmed. Maybe your kids, they have autism or ADHD and you just, as a parent, feel like a complete failure because you just don't know it. You're like, John, how does what happened then affect me right now? It's true. How does the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago as an event, how does that affect the mess and the stuff and the junk that we are currently in. Check out this story. So we're a very blended family. Very blended. My, uh, my first marriage, I adopted my oldest daughter and then had my oldest son. And when I met Jen, when we got married, she became an instant mom. 
And we also wanted kids of our own. Haley's our first daughter together. Very healthy, very happy. Everything went great. She was born two weeks early. Easy, easy child. Just a blessing. No complications. Um, 2006, we were expecting our son Carter. And he was born. Carter was born seven weeks early. Seven weeks early. Yes. So he spent time in the PICU, I said that right? NICU. NICU. Yes. Neo intensive care. Yes. And he was a little tyke. Four pounds, one ounce. But he made it out and was walking. He was saying a few words. And in August of 2007, we noticed some blue dots under his skin. And he was really sick. And we took him to his doctor, who ended up sending him to CHKD. When we got to CHKD, he started going downhill. I remember the nephrologist coming in saying, your son's kidneys have failed. I talked with the, the doctor that day and I asked, is, is my son gonna die? And he said, nah, he's got, he's got a stomach bug and he'll be here for a week or so, maybe another week on the support unit, but he'll be okay. He said it might get worse before it gets it better. It might get worse before it gets better. Eight hours later, that same doctor pronounced my son dead. That was in August of 2007. The deepest, deepest grief, I think, that we've ever experienced. And we had a beautiful, community of believers that carried us through that year and we were going to have another son um, in 2009 and he, Silas was born in August. He was supposed to be born in November but he was also born a preemie and he was two pounds 15 ounces and again it was it was kind of crazy and it was a tough time being in the NICU and he was so small and but he grew, he met all of his milestones. He was, he was starting to walk and he was starting to talk. And, um, and then he hit the same age that my son Carter had, or but that my son Carter was. And we kind of just went, <sighs> you know, he, Silas hit 15 months and we just kind of breathed. And then two months later, Silas came down with the same symptoms as Carter did. So we, you know, spent the night at the hospital and in one of those little sleep rooms for the parents and I just kept expecting someone to knock on my door and tell me that my son was gone. And we woke up the next morning and he'd made it through the night. And um, it took them about two weeks to figure out what was going on with him. And then they started to piece the puzzle together and they realized that it was probably the same thing that had taken Carter's life, and it was a rare genetic blood disease um, called HLH, 
only 700 known cases at the time in the world, and we had two. Are you kidding me? I felt betrayed by God. And then I asked myself, well, what did I do to bring this on my son? There were times when I would cuss out God. Tell my son, didn't deserve that. If he wanted to punish somebody, it should have been me. How does what happened 2,000 years ago affect that? And I know you probably have something in your life. It might not be that. But you've got something currently in your life that you're like, how could something that happened 2,000 years ago as an event affect my life right now? And that's what I want us to dive into into today because what I'm concerned about the most is that we will come here today and celebrate an event but miss the, the significance and the experiential nature of the resurrection. It's not just something we celebrate back then but it is a reality that we can live in right now. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of this broken, messed up, jacked up world that honestly all, a lot of us are, you know, sometimes, let's just be honest, God, where are you? Like, God, where the heck are you? What are you doing? Are you sleeping? Do you not see? Probably a lot of the same things that the Jesus followers were saying when Jesus was in the tomb for three days. This guy did miracles and we're, he's left us. So I want to talk to you briefly about how what happened then affects your life. Now, first off, I just really believe the resurrection gives us hope. I don't know about you, but a little bit of hope can go a long way. I've been in, in seasons where we had, you know, Kristen and I, we had three kids five and younger. So like almost three in diapers. And we are sitting there like, God, where art thou has gone? <laughs> we are tired of chocolate milk. We're tired of changing diapers. I'm tired of stepping on Cheez-Its in the kitchen. If I step on one more Cheez-It in the kitchen, I'm throwing somebody or something. And you've got all of this stuff. But at the same time, you know this isn't forever. One day they're going to be able to get down chocolate milk. One day they're going to be able to not poop in their diaper, right? It's like, you know at some point. So what gets you through is the hope. Some, some people here, you've probably put in stressful seasons at work while you're working 40 hours. You're working on something else for 20 hours. And then you are, at the time, in college as well. Y'all know, you know what that life's like. I've, I've been there. And you know, I can do this right now, but this ain't forever. This is a season. And what gets you through is the little bit of hope, knowing the income's going to go up, 
You know, I'm not going to be in college forever. And right now, I, 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 I can endure what I'm going through because of the hope beyond where I'm at right now. And what I'm offering you today is in the midst of whatever your brokenness, whatever your broken life is, whatever life has thrown at you, in the midst of that brokenness, Jesus offers us, because of his resurrection, a hope beyond anything you're going through right now that will carry you through. Its hope will fill you, and then it will spill over into your everyday life. You know, I've, I've heard so many people say, well, Christianity is just a crutch. It's just a crutch for, for just these weak-minded, emotionally weak people that just need something to get them through life. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've had friends tell you that. Oh, you're just weak, weak emotionally. Wives, maybe you're, you've had husbands tell you that. Like, yo, you just go to church because, because you need to. I'm a strong man. Here's the thing. Christianity isn't a crutch. It's a hope. Christianity is not a crutch that we just lean on to get through life. It is a hope that we live in its reality right now as we wait for its fulfillment. This is what 1 Peter says to us in chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. It tells us this, Praise be to God and Father of our Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus. Get this here. And in, in, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. But then he goes into this. He says, yes, you've got this hope, but at the same time, no, you're still in this world. He says this, in all of this, you greatly rejoice that you've got a hope. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Can I get an amen? These have come so that the proven genuous of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise honor and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed what what Peter is getting at here is look I know you've got this hope and I know you can't see it but you've got this longing for it and Jesus fulfilled it but I know right now you're going through stuff and you can get shaken and weary and God where are you why haven't you shown up yet but he's saying look it's kept for you you're gonna have to go through stuff here, but ultimately this and now is not the end. This is not it. This is not it. And, and what he actually says here is God will take the stuff that happens on this earth and just like fire refines gold, the stuff that happens to you in life will, will actually refine you and make you stronger and make you better. It is the promise of God will work all things to the good of those who love him. Not that all things are good, but God is so good. God can take what isn't good and take it and make it work for your good if you'd get it out of your hands and put it into his. It's a hope beyond church. I wish I could give you magic potion to take away your problems. I wish you could pay me $100 and I'd give you a prophecy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I wish it was two plus two equals four. I wish it was just so simple that I could just tell you a scripture verse and it would just all just go. But we live in a broken world ravaged by sin, but we have the ability, to, and here's the thing, to not just have the resurrection as an event, but as a lifestyle. 
The resurrection was an event, yes, but when Jesus rose from death and overcame Satan, sin, and the grave, that just wasn't for your eternity. That was for your here and now in your present, that as you walk through stuff, just like the Camerons did, it's a hope that keeps you. It is a hope that fills you, and then it spills over into your everyday life. Check out this rest of their story. And so the acceptance of what is, but yet hope for what God can do or what, whatever God chooses to do, whether he chooses to heal or whether he chooses to walk with you through that, the, accept, the balance of, the accept, of acceptance and hope, it's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. But um, so now, you know, we're looking at that and we're accepting that. And we had Silas here at home for four and a half years. And, um, at, you know, he's growing all the while and um, he's getting heavier and it's harder to pick him up. He's losing his therapies. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very tiring lifestyle. And so we, um, we were introduced to St. Mary's Home in Norfolk for disabled children. And um, we were told he would get back his therapies. We were told that he would get all day school. He only had an hour a day of school in my home. And he was going to get all day school like every other kid did. And at, at St. Mary's, he would get field trips out into the community. He would get after school activities. And, um, and as grueling of a decision that was on my mother's heart, it just was just, I just had to disconnect my head from my heart to even fill out the paperwork. Um, October of 2015, we made, that, we made that move. They had a place for him. And it could not be, it could not have been a better decision. Silas is thriving there. Um, he has the resources that we, did, we no longer had in the home that we were losing. Um, he, he loves it there. And we get to go visit, you know, a couple times a week. Um, and then we began to heal and watch God get glory for my son who cannot walk and cannot talk and cannot even lift his head. This is not my son's forever. This is not the end of his story. And this is not his home. I just want to thank Jen and John Cameron for having the courage to share that story. Can we just give it up for them? Lifehouse. They're going to be here 10 a.m. service, and I'm just grateful for them of being a light in the darkness. When honestly, what happened to them would be the main reason why people turn their backs on God, leave them, blame them. They said, God, look, we understand we live in a jacked up, messed up world that is ravaged and broken and divided by sin. But we're going to choose to trust that there is a hope beyond. Why? Because death has been beaten. Jesus kicked the door open and invites us to follow him to life. 
The resurrection isn't in a, just an event that happened. It is a lifestyle right now that honestly, I believe does three things. First off, the resurrection gives us a boldness to live this life. What it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 12, it says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Some of y'all are crippled by fear. You live your life in constant fear of what other people think. You're, you're just in, it's like you're constantly on edge thinking about, every, about what everyone else thinks and it just, you're anxious, you're nervous, and, 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 what, what you, and what you aren't seeing is that because death has been beaten, what it says here is you can actually live a life of, of boldness in the face of fear. Why? Because if death has been beaten, what are you scared of? If that's your greatest enemy and your greatest enemy has been defeated by death, not that you won't feel fear, but you'll know if death has been beaten, what, what is... What is fear going to do to me? So you can actually live in boldness. Secondly, though, the resurrection gives you an anchor. Dave spoke about this in his spoken word. It provides for us an anchor in this crazy life. Because the bottom line is this. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or going into a storm. Join the club. Jesus said this, Jesus, here's the thing, people think, well, when you start to follow Jesus, this is all going to go great. If someone told you that, go back to them, smack them, say you're sorry, and then say you lied to me. That's the whole thing. Ask for forgiveness instead of permission, right? Because that's not true. You know, Jesus actually said in John 16, 33, in this world, you'll have trouble. Following Jesus doesn't exempt you from the pain that this life gives us. But what Jesus does offer us, the resurrection offers you today an anchor in this crazy storm called, called life that whenever the storms come, you are prepared because just as Jesus said, you are building your life not on sand that, that can be swayed. You're building your life on the rock. And that is the anchor of the resurrection of Jesus that has beat down the door of death and invited you in, not just for eternity, but in the present. And you can have an anchor for your soul. Hebrews 6, 19 tells us this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Some of you are riding the roller coaster of life, thinking, oh, if I feel good, it's good. And your, your life is up and down, and it literally feels like, why am I up and down? And you're trying different medications, and you're trying a bunch of, of different stuff to try to figure out why are you not okay? And could it be it isn't a physical issue, it is a spiritual issue, where you are so swayed and scared and fearful and frazzled, that just with what life throws at you and all that you have going on, that you're trying a physical route to fix a spiritual problem. And the root could actually be that you, it could be a worship issue where you are worshiping the false God of 
the world that tells you, get this, then you'll be happy. Some of y'all have all you want. Some of you have more money than, 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 than you could ever possibly need. I'll take some. Uh, some. Some of y'all got a big house, a big car. You've got your dreams realized. Everything you've wanted to accomplish, you have. Yet there's this itching desire in you that is not happy, that's actually depressed. But you put on this front like everything's good, everything's great. When inside, you're broken, you're messed up, and you're searching for something to fill that hole. That you and what I'm telling you today and what that hole is, what that thing is, is you need to know that your eternity, that that desire in you to know you will live forever can be satisfied through the resurrection. It can act as an anchor in this crazy storm of life as we saw in the Cameron's life. Thirdly, though, here's the thing. The resurrection, this is what I love. It relieves the fear of death. This might sound morbid, sorry if it does, but Christians should actually look forward to death. Not that we're like, you know, let's go plan some traffic. <laughs> let's test God. <laughs> let's not do that. But at the same time, we look we don't fear death. Because honestly, actually, what death is for us, it's actually the beginning of true life. It's actually the beginning of what we're searching for and what we're longing for. I love the old hymn. I'm bringing out a hymn reference here since I have a suit on. <laughs> if y'all know me, I don't wear suits often. This is like a... This is the second time in the history of our church I've ever worn a suit. Our church is 18 months old, and this is the second time ever, so take a picture. Uh, who knows? It might be next Easter. But uh, busting out an old hymn reference here, it says, no guilt in life. This is the hymn, in Christ alone. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. As Christians, y'all, we don't fear death because honestly, the truth is, death for us isn't a prison, it's a pathway. Death goes from being a prison that we just go to in purgatory or something doesn't know, but it becomes a pathway to actually eternal life that God has saved. Let me, this is what Paul says here. He's talking about resurrection. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body, the body that is sown, perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. Okay, I, I lost where I was at. <laughs> y'all want to help me out? <laughs> okay, y'all just want to read it. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So let me tell you what Christians believe. Is we believe that this body is simply a seed. That when it dies, it literally goes, goes, down there and, and, and actually is the seed for the 
resurrected life that now we get to enjoy, not because of our good works, not because we're good people. That is not Christianity. It's just to make bad people and turn them good. Christianity is taking dead people and making them alive in the name of Jesus. Because we're dead in our sin. Jesus lived a life we couldn't live and died the death. We should have died in our place and for our sin and purchased the life that we could not earn. So we simply, here's the deal, put our faith and trust, not in our good works, but in Jesus's good, but, but in Jesus's good work and then his righteousness and get this, his reward of eternal life is given to us on the basis of faith and grace. So some of y'all are working so hard to make God love you more. Well, if I do good, then God will love me. You gotta stop working so much and stop doing things to, to make God love you and simply receive God's love out of what he's already done. That's what grace is. Do you know what grace is? It's you receiving what you couldn't earn on your own. And when you receive grace, you take your hands off and be like, Jesus, I put my faith in you. You went and beat down the door of death. I'm following you. But that's just not a, a their reality. That's a now reality. Love it. Paul also said this. He said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and here's the thing, we believe this, that as you receive Christ, Christ's spirit fills your spirit. Then it says this, if the um, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I wanna show you what it's like to live a resurrection life, right? Here's the thing, we don't deny the pain. We don't, we're not ostriches. Let's just bury our heads in the ground. And cause here's the thing, you've got some Christians like that. Oh, you know, just hold the fort down until Jesus comes. Just, just put your head in the ground. You know, God's a, God, God's a good, no, we don't deny the pain, but we don't let it define us either. Cause we have a different reality, a different eternity, a different future that defines us as followers of Christ that actually drives us and inspires us and points us to bring more of that reality into our present world. That's why Christians, we should be doing the most good because we have the most good to look forward to. So now we take stuff that is somewhat good, money, time, talent, treasure, and instead of, of saying this world is our heaven, we say that is our home. How can we take our time, our talent and treasure and bring more of heaven into current earth? And that's what Christ followers are called to do. We're not called to just get more, have more. We're called to say, God, how can we take what you've given us and use it to let more people know that death has been beaten? As, as you know, Last, uh, last week, the temple, the cathedral, Notre Dame, so beautiful, burned, right? I mean, there's gonna be a, a lot of rebuilding. It was a glorious, beautiful temple. And just begin, this is what we want life to be, right? Glorious and beautiful and never any issues and never any problems. and. It's all good and life is one big fairy tale. But honestly, 
Many times that is what life looks like. We're in the midst of the junk, in the midst of the fire that's raging. Even Peter said in this, you greatly just, you, you, you know, you kind of endure fire. But what you see in this picture is the rubble, but I see hope. Is it in the midst of your junk, in the midst of whatever you're walking through right now? In the midst of you saying, how does this event that happened 2,000 years ago affect me right now? In light of all that stuff, Christians say, Christ followers say, I've got hope. I've got something sticking out. I love what Paul says here, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 9 says this, but we have this treasure. He's talking about resurrected life in jars of clay, meaning bodies, these physical bodies. We've got this hope in this messed up body to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from, from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not... Isn't that the way most of our lives are? Struck down, but not destroyed. Persecuted, but not abandoned perplexed, not in despair. But then he goes on a few scriptures later, he says this, therefore, since we have this hope, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, we see the decay of sin and its troubles. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is unseen is temporary, but what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Some of y'all today, God wants to fix your focus because you've been looking all here. You've been trying to find your joy. You've been trying to find your hope. You've been trying to find yourself, your self-worth and your identity and what you have, what you don't have. And God today says, hey, resurrection life is offered. Hope is offered. Hope beyond the hope that fills that will then spill over into your regular life and you will, and you will actually inspire others in the same way the Camerons have. That it will spill over and you'll affect and point more people towards the hope that we all need, that our hearts long for, that you were designed for. That, that eternity that's been set in your heart, that God has said, I want you to live with me forever. The door of death has been kicked down and it's available to you. My prayer for you today, Paul prayed this for his church in Ephesus. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, here's the thing, I'm gonna even pray this over you right now. God, I ask you, the glorious Father, that you would give every person in this place the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they might know you better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, of your heart, will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here you go. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when Christ, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul saying, I want you to get it. 
I just don't want you to have an, ex an event that happened 2,000 years back. I want you to have an experience, a moment with God that you realize and see this resurrection life is yours. It is available, not just then, but it's available to fill you with hope right now and then spill over into the world. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.